uh, this is the last week where we are talking about loving our city, loving Deppen. Last week, we had a wonderful interview of food soldiers who are on the ground doing stuff in our city. And, but the truth is, it is God who has placed us in this city for his purpose. And as we are here, our mission and our assignment is to make sure that we, we live up to the standard of what God expects from us as we are people of the city. It is easy to live in the city and know nothing about the city and be totally disconnected from the city. I know people who, who only know this place and where they stay and where they work. Uh, if you ask them about other places in the city, they do not know, not because they don't want to know, but because they are so scared of connecting to the city. So I hope today as we go through the word, we'll come out as a community of courage, as people who are saying, we will not just exist in the city, we will live in the city, we'll have our life in the city. We will become what God wants us to become in this city. Amen. So I thought, let me deal with a few things before really getting into the real stuff. I know there's been, there's been various definitions of what Deben means, where it comes from, especially when other people uh, saying it's an embarrassing word, it's all available. Uh, various opinions uh, in, 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 in the internet and what what. Because I am a, I'm an indigenous <laughs> uh, person in the city, uh, I had to go beyond just the internet to look into the old people and check what really was the origin of the city. And the whole name of Itegu, where does it come from, what does it mean? And is there a spiritual significance to the name itself? And, and how do we fit into that? And, and why is it such a special place in the continent, in, in the world? Uh, but uh, it comes from a noun, Itegu, which is a bay or a lagoon, uh, or an entry point. So where all things begin, where all things come through. It's more like a place of birth where the beginnings of time and of things happen. So by virtue of being in Eteguini, we are in a space or in a place where things start. So normally where things start, we don't normally see things flourish there as they start. Uh, a number of uh, facts around that is if you look into various industries, I'll, I'll take the creatives industry. You go to your, your theater, your arts, your, your drama, your music. Most of the greatest icons in South Africa originate from this city. Uh, they start out here, uh, your music, uh, great music bands, local bands, they start from here and people start migrating to other cities because uh, this is the place where talent, where raw stuff is born. But also, uh, Deben is also known as a very slow city uh, with slow people. <laughs> uh, even, even when we talk about our traffic, uh, we complain about 
traffic when people in Joburg are saying, wow, it's flowing today. And we say like, yo, what a heavy traffic. Because we are not used to these congestions and all those things. We are a very family-friendly kind of a city where it's easy to raise family, to raise kids, because everything is just slowed down. Sometimes even how we sing as Debenites, we are not fast-speed people. (laughs) We sing slow. Even when we walk, we are not fast walkers. But yeah, but also Deben is not just a CBD, but it has a number of townships and rural villages around. Uh, If you look into that uh, map there, you see places... Uh, it goes up to Verlem, goes out to Mbogotuini, uh, but uh, other people gave a new name. They say Mbogotuini. I don't know what that means, but it's as Mbogotuini uh, because there were a lot of rocks and, and, and big stones there. And then it goes down onto Mpumalanga, Hammersdale, and then in between you've got Kwamashu, uh, Inanda, Phoenix. Uh, you've got Claremont, Quatwatwa, Chatsworth and stuff. But another fact that is very interesting about Deppen is that it is very diverse in terms of its demographics. Uh, in the whole world, it is the second place where you find more Indians than India. Deppen. No, not than India, more Indians after India, yes. It is number two. So which makes us a unique city. But also, it is one city where you, from the previously colonized cities, where it's less African city. It is more English than other cities. But also, later, it became extremely diverse to an extent that uh, you've got more Tosa speaking, more Sutu speaking, and then you go outside the borders of South Africa, uh, you, it's one city that has received a lot of foreign nationals, uh, both within the African context, uh, continent and beyond, uh, where people feel comfortable to fit in because nobody is really uh, having like a... in Popol. Yes, but it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a place where people are allowed to become and to be. But in the midst of all that, we have our own issues. <laughs> we have our own issues. We have our own stereotypes. We have our own problems and challenges. Uh, we have our own political dynamics. We have our own economic dynamics. We have our own spiritual dynamics. Uh, again. Devon is a place where also a lot of strange things happen. <laughs> and a lot of weird religious practices originate here. <laughs> People come to Devon on fire, trusting God, serving God, sent by God to minister the word. And when they're in Devon, they become mini-gods. You look into uh, the centenary and look into the great men who were the first pioneers of 
building and uniting this city and the nation. Looking at people like your, your Isaiah Shembe, uh, J.L. Tube, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, and a number of other guys who were like the forefathers of diversity. Around those people, there's a lot of controversy also in terms of strange religious practices. So there is another history of Etchewini. But also, uh, Etchewini or Deben uh, became in the 80s the home of informal settlements where we, we saw many shacks being established where people migrated into, into staying into smaller uh, places which were cardboard houses, uh, corrugated iron houses, and also we were very uh, exposed to violence and brutal killing to such an extent that even after uh, violence and apartheid, we still have a lot of people who are very itchy and easy to kill. I'll just throw some few stats. For example, if you go and check on the crime statistics uh, of the province, some Deben townships are leading in certain things. For example, if it comes to violence murder, you know that Inanda, for example, is leading. But those violent murders are not gunshots. It's people who are stabbed, stabbed using screwdrivers, uh, house knives, uh, anything, even, even, even a pair of scissors. But, but it's, 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 people are highly aggressive in these communities. On the other hand, also, the, 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 the leading hijacking spot in the country for now is in Deben, which is unfortunately where I stay, Newlands West, Newlands East. It's leading. It's number one hijacking spot in the country currently. So while our city is beautiful, it has all those issues that have been stated as, as, as measure and scary statistics. But also, if you come to our city it's the most developing and the most growing city in Africa. <laughs> so how do you then balance this? And, and then what does God say in the mix of the good and the bad, the ugly and the sweet and the nice? Hmm? But also Deben is one segregated place in terms of church. What we see here is very rare in Deben. Deben churches are still meeting in monocultural platforms where it's either a white church, an Indian church, a colored church, a Zulu church, a, a Congolese church, a Nigerian church, in Deben, you have a lot of those. And most people see what we have here as a frustration because it is a very young but growing city. But I want us to go to the book of Zechariah chapter 8 and see what God dreams of our city and the cities of the world. And then, and see where do we fit in and how, what do we need to do to love our city and to become people that God wants us to, to become. Because there can be a reality and the truth that some of you came here because you came to study, you came to work, you are not married to the city, you are not attached to the city, but God has placed you here. And definitely God wants you to find root and to grow and flourish in the city and not just be a beneficiary or a passerby or a standby kind of a person or an observer or a spectator, but to become fully part of what is happening in the city. 
be messed up by the city and its context and be a solution to the city and its context. Amen. Um, I'll read a few verses from Zechariah chapter 8 and then I'll throw a few things here and there. Then another message came f- to me from the Lord of Heaven's armies. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. My love for Mount Zion is passionate and strong. I am consumed with passion for Jerusalem. And now the Lord says, I am returning to Mount Zion and I will live in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city. The mountain of the Lord's heaven armies will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Once again, old men and women will walk Jerusalem's streets with their canes. And they will sit together in the city squares. And the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls at play. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. All this may seem impossible to you now. A small remnant of God's people, but is this impossible for me? Says the Lord of of heaven's armies. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. You can be sure that I will rescue my people from the east and from the west. And I will bring home again to live safely in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be faithful and just towards them as they are God. This is what the Lord says. Be strong and finish the task. Ever since the laying of the foundation of the temple of the Lord of Heaven's armies, you have heard what the prophet had been saying about completing the building. Before the work of the temple began, there was no jobs and no money to hire people or animals. No travelers safe from the enemy. For there were enemies on all sides. I had turned everyone against each other. But now I will treat the remnant of my people as I treated them before, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. For I am planting seeds of peace and prosperity among you. The grapevines will be heavy will, will be heavy with fruit. The earth will produce its crops, and the heavens will release the dew. Once more, I will cause the remnant in Judah and Israel to inherit these blessings. Among the other nations, Judah and Israel become symbols of a cursed nation, but no longer. Now I will rescue you and make you both a symbol and a source of blessing. So don't be afraid. Be strong and get on with rebuilding the temple. I wanted to just take these few verses and then maybe start our journey toward how do we love something and become part of it and build what God is doing and be catalyst and be instrumental people in transforming it. I know that sometimes we get overwhelmed. Uh, I spend a lot of time in the world of politics. People who are not in the world of politics get overwhelmed by what is happening in that space. But also I've seen that how people get overwhelmed by what is happening in the economic space. People who are running businesses, uh, when they share their experiences, people who are not in that space, they get so much overwhelmed. Education sphere, all spheres of life, we get overwhelmed by spaces that we don't operate in. And sometimes we end up not being effective and courageous enough to operate where God has placed us. 
Sometimes when we see that there is a problem with the piano, whereas our grace is with the drums, we want to try and fix what is wrong with the piano, whereas God doesn't want us to do that. He just wants us to make sure that the piano works well. A lot of, and most of the times when we, we face issues, we, we are so quick to blame and to shift the focus from our own responsibility and mandate to those who are not doing their, their, their part or playing their part and, their, and doing their role. I have seen and heard people in townships where they complain about a litter in the streets. And I always ask a question, who does the littering? I have heard people complain about corruption in the public service. And I always ask a question, who is the corrupter? Because the reality is, some of the officials that are in procurements and what what, they don't just start by being corrupt. Somebody comes and says, hey, this is what I have for you, give me that. So why do we say nothing about the corrupter? Who are the people who are giving bribes to the traffic cops, to the police? So in other words, when we blame everything to those that are in the spotlight, are we taking enough responsibility to shape and build what God has given us? We talk about our villages, our neighborhoods, our surroundings, not... uh, healthy and conducive for us to raise kids, we are prone to relocation because there is crime, because uh, there, is, there, there is a decay of morals and values. Whose responsibility is this? Whose kids are those that have got no morals? Whose kids are those who are on drugs? <laughs> Why is it so easy to shift the blame and move from our responsibility and blame everyone? Crime is high. Yes, it is high. Who commits crime? Is it not our brothers and our cousins and our relatives and our neighbors? Hey, the health the healthcare service is very poor. Who works there? Is it not our wives, our husbands, our cousins, our aunties? Our roads are not are not well maintained. So, in other words, it's easy to shift the blame. It's easy to to point fingers and say, this is wrong, this is bad, and stop doing what is right. Sometimes we feel like it's impossible. Sometimes we feel like we are drowning whenever we try to do good things. I've been there. I have t-shirts of being bent, trying to do good things. Sometimes you, you, you step out with compassion, with love, you pour everything, you get bent. You get insults, you get accusations, you get a number of things. But is it, is it risen enough for you to stop? Is it risen enough for you to quit and run away? Sometimes those who are in the education sphere you understand this. Sometimes you, 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 you give extra hours trying to help these students grasp the content, trying to help these students become better people. They just mess up. They come drunk. <laughs> they waste time. They don't meet timelines. Is it reason enough for you to stop? No. As parents, sometimes we give instructions and we give guidance to our children. Sometimes they, they look like they're here. 
For a few hours, you see like, oh, God is wonderful. What a transformation. <laughs> and for days after the few hours, it's hell broken loose. Is it risen enough to quit? Sometimes you create jobs as an employer, as a businessman. You employ people. They, they seem to be promising and effective. And you say, wow, I'm doing something great. They start stealing from you. They start dishonoring you. Is it risen enough for you to stop? So when we look about how do we love our city, we must look at the way God loves us. The Bible says, God so loved the world that he even went to the most extreme space. I will never go there. He went to the, I will never go there. God so loved the world that he went the, the route of, I will never go there. <laughs> I know there are many covered there. Where he gave his only, not just only son, only love, most loved son, as a sacrifice. Come on, guys. It's very hard to give our remaining money in our bank accounts. How about a child? <laughs> I'm talking about something that will be covered when your next income comes in. It's very hard to leave your bank account empty and give to someone. But we hear God went to the extreme. He didn't give one of his sons. He gave his only son. And when he was giving, he had a very clear mandate or Expectation he said, so that whoever believes in him may have life. So, in other words, his commitment was that I know they may mess up, I know they may not receive it and understand it, but whoever grasps it, there will be change, there will be impact. Let me tell you, whatever you do in this city, no matter how small it is, whether you employ one person, whether you empower one person, whether you honor one person, the result of your faithfulness are beyond that. I know there is, a, there, there, is a, there, is a, there is a dream and a nightmare tension in this whole thing of loving our city. What if I become, I become now a, a socialist kind of a Christian? What if I become now an extremist and forget the basics of the kingdom? What if I become like, a, like, like, like other people who are no longer speaking the word, who are more prone to... To, to community development, but the, the spirituality is out of, of, the, of the place. It's true, that can happen. We have seen people who started serving communities out of compassion. They were swallowed by their community. They started questioning God. They started questioning our theology. <laughs> they started questioning uh, a number of things. I remember one of the questions that I deal with a lot when I'm dealing with Young professionals, especially those who, who, who came from the previously affluent schools, but they didn't have the affluent skin. <laughs> and when now they are in corporate, and now they, they, they struggle to climb the ladder, they start asking questions. They start quoting phrases like black pain, something that they've never known, something that they don't even understand. 
because of frustration, they start questioning God. And majority of them, once they start questioning God, once they start questioning the blackness and the whiteness and put God in between the blackness and the whiteness, they lose the faith. They run away from the faith. They associate God with their own stereotypes. They see God as a pro-white because they, they have never been exposed to the holistic gospel of what God wants about the cities. They look at it from a selfish perspective of what do I benefit, not of how do we develop and grow. It comes from the right person. I always say to people, I have a grace of dealing with issues of race. I can make jokes about stuff that others cannot and not be in trouble. <laughs> so don't copy me. <laughs> it was God's grace taking me through the journey. I, 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 I say things that are horrible with confidence because I know the heart and I know what God has done in my heart. Amen. But the reality is a number of people, they end up running away from the city and from what God wants them to do because they are narrow racial imbalance and impurity overshadows the truth of the word. They are narrow tribal impurity overshadows the truth of the word. They see people from the, from the lenses of tribe, from the lenses of race. They see things, they interpret everything from the lenses of race rather than from the lenses of what the thing is. Amen. But we all have a dream. There is a beautiful picture of a lovely bed. We all want to flourish in the city. We all want to be colorful. Uh, we all want our kids to be bright, to, to get merit certificates, to, to excel in sports, to do everything. That's the reality of what we desire. Can I see someone here who says, no, I desire my kids to be poor, uh, to be the last in class, not to have anything good. I desire to be the poorest of the poor. Can I see who wants to be the poorest of the poor? Oh, okay. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> So we all want good stuff, eh? There was a quite a song. Good stuff, eh? If you look by happy, you're kidding and tough on tough. Have a bang and a man tough on tough. Have it a little tough on tough. Even a current tough on tough. So everything just tough on tough. That's the picture of what we want to see. We want everything to be comfortable. We want to be in the comfort. Even how we pray. We don't want to pray those petitions where we just say, Lord, you know that I am now, it's, it's between you. I'm between you and poverty or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> we want to pray prayers of, Lord, thank you. Yet for another additional provision, Lord. Uh, thank you, Lord God, for, for surplus, eh? We want to pray for surplus. We don't say, but Lord, you know, if you don't come through tonight, people will laugh at me. We don't like those prayers, eh? Where we blackmail God. Where's pray those prayers? You know I mean? I, I excel in those. I know how to. If you need classes, I'll, I'll, I'll coach you. <laughs> how to corner God. I think I should write a book. 
<laughs> How to corner God. When things are tough. Eh? When the dream when, when, when the dream looks like the feathers are withering. Like God. People are watching. <laughs> people are watching. And God, maybe God will have forgotten. My neighbors are unbelievers. In fact, they've just had a, a ritual. They were slaughtering some stuff there. They were burning some stuff there. And there were some homers. Look at them. Hey, they are watching. You are in trouble. Ah, I don't mind. I don't mind. You are in trouble. <laughs> Sometimes we end up praying those uh, not so very Christian kind of prayers. Eh? Because we all want to have this picture of a perfect life, of a beautiful life, healthy, wealthy, at peace with everyone, relational flourishing. But the reality is that even while we have that, it, 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 there are many things that are beautiful. We all love the... Can, can you see the other picture? We all love this picture of Deben. Wow, it's beautiful, eh? This is a beautiful picture of Deben. When we talk about Deben, even when we bring our friends, we want to keep them here. Yeah. <laughs> Take them to my beat, Abo. Take them to the beach front. Yeah. And stuff. And also, uh, yeah, there are some beautiful pictures. Another one. It's a beautiful one. See, yeah, when you talk about two people, when you send emails, yeah, this is where I'm from, this is my hood, man, Devon, a nice place, yeah. <laughs> everything is well designed, everything is working well. And sometimes, this is, a, this is a true image, this is reality, this is what is happening. However, there's another picture that we don't want to talk about. This is the reality. This is the nightmare. We all want to run away from the nightmare. <laughs> the devil wants to throw the nightmare at us. That no, we can't build. Everyone who tried to do something, they are all like this. There is a saying in Sizule which says, Inchebe ilela mazolo. Inchebe ilela mazolo. Which means the big man is dead. <laughs> so big men had beard and stuff. So, so how do you know they are dead? You will find them sleeping and they is chew on, on their beard because they have been dead. So some of us, we have a nightmare because we have seen people who went out trying to do good things. They never survived. Some are bankrupt. Some lost their families. They lost stuff. And the devil keeps whispering. Hey, you want to help people? They will ban you. They will destroy you. They will steal from you. They will not honor you. They will take the list that you are trying to give them. It may be true. But we need to defeat this nightmare, this image. That we can't do things because we will lose life. You know why I love the story of the four leprous men? It's because those guys had a reality check which I want us to have this morning. They had a discussion. Guys, if we go in there, those people kicked us out. They are very hostile to us. The environment is not conducive for us to be in there. But if we remain here anyway, it doesn't guarantee safety. 
you can, you, can, you can stay and remain in your comfort and think things are working well. Let me tell you, as Julius Malema said in 2010, <laughs> while he was still a young man in the ANC Youth League, he said this when he was making a speech. He said, when time comes, we will take all these things. We will start from sentin. We will be going up to the reserve bank, but we will just be coming, passing by sentin, going into your fridge, opening your fridge, <laughs> taking what is there, passing on. The reality is, no matter whether you move up north or you move up south or you move up east, or, or, or they are coming. The issues are there. Drug addictions are everywhere. Then government schools, then private schools, they're everywhere. Corruption is in the public sector, in the private sector, everywhere. Immorality is everywhere. In affluent suburbs, in squatter camps, in, 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 in middle-aged upmarket apartments, everywhere. So whether we run, it follows us. So that's what I normally say. Uh, Wayne doesn't want me to say this uh, to our friends. So, so you know that Wayne is white, but he's not very white. <laughs> he's white here. When we are out there, he's blacker than I am. <laughs> so we, we have some friends that we share. So I always tease them, say, hey guys, keep on going up north. We are following you. <laughs> we will come with, 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 with our Zaminis. Uh, with our Mshlumus, who are following you? Keep, keep going. The reality is, people are running away. You know why people are running away? One of the nightmares is, what used to be a beautiful train station has become a hub of that. Let me talk about these young people that are there. Some of you do not know who are these people. I've had few encounters. My first encounter there was when I was with I haven't seen him today. Usmanga driving uh, next to Russell Street. So this one guy grabs a phone from the car in front of us and runs. We're like, oh, yeah, we are following this one. And then we, we, we park next to this taxi rent. We forgot even to remove the key from the ignition. We went for him. He gets in, in the railway line. We go in. He jumps, we jump. Right when we jump in, and we discovered, yeah. <laughs> we are outnumbered. <laughs> How did we get here? <laughs> How did we get here? So I started courageously so. Because we must confuse the enemy. <laughs> Confuse the enemy. Don't let the enemy see that you are, you are terrified. <laughs> so, you see my height, it's, it's quite intimidating at times. But I was highly intimidated by that. Looking around, so I'm looking around as if I'm, I'm in charge. No, I'm looking which is the easiest escape route. <laughs> Not that I'm in charge. Which is the easiest escape route? So 
while we are down here, I see that the guy keeps on running, and then there are some approaching us. And I'm like, Usmanga, let's go to them. I don't know why I said that, but um, there was a serious trumpet. So, approached, so started to, to speak, so the guy is asking, what's wrong? So, the words are supposed to come out, eh? <laughs> Eventually, by God's grace, because God is gracious, sometimes we tempt him, eh? God being gracious, the words ended up coming out. No, we are not here to fight. Not that we can't fight. But we are here to get the phone from that guy. What he did is wrong. And we'll leave you in peace. And then he asked, is that all? I said, yes, that's all. So they called the guy, asked him, what did you take? Then he shows us what he took and they said, okay, give it to them. He gave to us and then we started moving. So while we're moving, we're like, uh-uh. I need to ask more questions. And then this guy said, no, see a bab. So that was my first encounter. Went out, we were heroes, we got, we got the phone and the bag, blah, blah. But from that day, I wanted then to go back to check. So that guy was reasonable. He, he, he did not fight. They were the majority mob. They gave us what we want. No hassles. And then the second time I went there just to interview, unfortunately they thought I was a journalist. But one of the things that, I, that they out, outlined, one guy that I spoke to us, we are here because of wrong habits. We don't know how to stop. And then that's when my heart broke. They do commit crime because they have to sustain a habit. Some of them, they've got the best English. Combining all of us here, they beat us. <laughs> Taking OTK with, uh, with a Pelham English and what, they beat us. They, they are creative, they are smart, but they lost something. There is something that went wrong. They had uncontrolled indulgence. They were ordinary people. Some of them, they come from wealthy families. They opted to stay there just to satisfy their needs. So what I'm trying to show you here is that some of the things that we see as cities' problems, it's just a Christ gospel. You, you call it social ills. I call it the shortage of the laborers. These are people who were neglected, some of them, who never received the gospel because they looked good. They afforded everything. They were in affluent schools. Nobody reached out to them. And someone from the pit of hell reached out with, with drugs, with wrong lifestyles, with wrong habits, and their lives are decaying in our city. Even when we go out to reach out to people, 
that's the question I always ask Mac uh, when we do these outreaches and say, yeah, the problem with the outreach, there are some easy people and hard, hard people. Who do we go for? These guys go, fall under the hard people. It's easy to reach out to young professional sinners. Do you know young professional sinners? These are young people who are working well, who stay in right places, who are just struggling with sin, but who, who do have a little bit of boundaries. Yeah, but they know what is extreme. It's very easy and nice to reach out to those. They are soft, uh, they are, they are soft targets. If they give their lives to Christ, there isn't, there isn't much that you need to do. These are young, reckless, radical, extreme, fearless sinners. Who can help you uh, to be humble while you are ministering to them? Depending on what you are wearing. They can start by, before they hear the gospel, they can start by helping you. Look, this doesn't fit here. Can we keep your shoes? <laughs> can we keep your phone? Can we keep your belt? Before they, they receive the gospel. And even when, even when they have received the gospel, they, they can still come to the service, look out for, for what can I get? If I get this chair, one chair, I can get a fix for the whole week. Are we willing to reach out to such people? Because putting them in, 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 in trucks, displacing them in other cities, that, that's what politicians can do, but it doesn't address the issue. We as the church, as believers, can do something. Let's move on. Another reality is that one. Most people once wanted to kill me a few years ago when I made this statement that I will make here in a safe space. Don't judge me. <laughs> this is a safe space. I know the only thing you can do here, you can judge me, but you can't beat me at least. <laughs> this is problem number two. which it needs the church to interpret for those in authority. Majority of people who stay in shacks are not homeless, are not poor. It's people who wanted proximity to opportunities. They do have homes. They are investing. They are putting something away. They just wanted a place where they can afford just sleep, go to work, and take whatever they have to their families. We should not do what the politicians do. Politicians are abused by these people, and they abuse these people. Because these are voting cows for politicians. When it's election time, they promise them houses, only to discover that you are giving somebody a house who already has a house. And when you, when you give them that house, which is far from the industrial area that they work in, they will start renting it out and come back and staying there. So in building our city and in, and in loving our city, we need to start doing something where we empower people to be responsible citizens.
There is a tribalistic statement which was made at one funeral that I attended in one township. It was very tribalistic, but it, it, it spoke to reality. This young girl in grade 12 was speaking. She was complaining that politicians came and promised people of Lamonville because they were overcrowded in their families because of the special planning of the past where people were built two-room houses, they were not allowed to extend, blah, blah, blah. And I said, the houses were built. We were excited that we will now have space in our families. And then this is how she puts it. Says, if somebody can throw in few grenades in this new development, you will hear no cry in Lamonville because everyone who is there, they came to work here. You will hear a cry where Mark and Mac come from. That was very tribalistic, but it was a sign of how corrupt our systems are where people are not responsible citizens. You give me something that I don't need because I can afford to pay. Two weeks back, I was in a session with refugees here in the South Beach, in point. Some guys from the DRC who have been struggling to get papers, their papers get expired, they don't get renewed. This young girl says, my uncle died, who was helping me to renew my papers. I went to home affairs, I told them he has died. They said to me, we can sort it out for you. Give us 2,500. A teenager. She is now a stateless person. She is a stateless person because someone in our beautiful city was corrupt enough to deprive her what is hers for selfish reasons. So these are some of the realities that we need to confront and break. Let's move on. Nehemiah chapter 1 from verse 1 to 11. I'm not going to read because of time. It talks about when Nehemiah sat down, looked into the city of Jerusalem, looked into what was happening, looked into what was wrong, looked into the walls that were falling down, and he started analyzing. And then after that, he started praying to God, and he started reaching out to people. He started making a plan. What am I saying to us? We can't love and build our city without first looking at what is wrong with our city. What is it that we need to understand? What is it that we need to fix? I can't build my life and, and, and transform my life and come to God and allow God to change me if I don't want God to tell me what's wrong with me. The injustice that we do is that we want to be a blessing to the city, but we don't want to face the reality of the city. We want to be a blessing in our families, but we don't want to face the reality and the complexity of our families. The reality is that in your family, you've got people who are permanent drunks. You've got people who are jealous, who are greedy. And the, the minute you embrace that as your reality, it is easy for you to become a blessing. Because how you deal with them, you deal with them with care. You no longer get offended and get affected by things that you already know. When you go on the street, they take, they take stuff for you, from you. They, 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 they smash and grab. You no longer get offended. Instead, you, you inquire from the Lord, why did this happen to me? Why smash and grab on me? What do I need to do? Why did they steal from me? Sometimes it is so easy for us because 
we are professionals, we work hard, we can afford, we put security systems, CCTVs and everything, and we can see who was in there. I don't say they all, those things are wrong. While we have that, is there nothing we can do beyond that? Huh? They must go and rot in jail. Hey, our South African jails are not made to rot people there. They are made, the purpose of them is to, is to rehabilitate. It's correction facilities. It's correctional facilities. It's not uh, punitive facilities where people are punished. People are there to be rehabilitated. But who goes there? Do we have people here who go there? Who has been a victim of crime? How painful it is. Can't we do anything around that? Who's been a victim of insults, of disrespect, of dishonor, of violation? Can't we do something around that? So we need to understand what is wrong. And then Jeremiah 29.7 says, Seek work for the peace and prosperity of the city. Can you turn to your neighbor? Neighbor, no matter how the city has wronged you, (laughs) seek peace and prosperity of the city. I don't know what was wrong with God here. <laughs> I, I don't know what was wrong with God. He is speaking to people who are in exile. They have no much right in the place they are in. They are ill-treated. And then he's saying to them, Hey, after you, are, you, you, have, you, have, you have settled in the city that you are placed in, work for the peace of the city. Work for the prosperity of the city. He doesn't say work for your peace. It's only in the second part where he says, pray for it because it's, if, if for its welfare will determine your welfare. So in other words, the peace of the city will determine your peace. The prosperity of the city will determine your, your prosperity. So your prosperity, your growth, your increase, your, your, your stable life, is, 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 is parallel to the one of the city. No matter how good you become. I always say this to people that the danger of us progressing and advancing and, 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 and empowering our children, giving them better education, doing all the good things for our families and forgetting that there are people around us. The kids that are raised by those people who have got no morals, they will come and torment our kids when we are long dead. Let me repeat. No matter what good we do for our own immediate families and our children, the reality is if those around us, their children are not being empowered, they are not, they are not being equipped, the very same children who are ill-equipped, who are ill-empowered, who have no values, will come back when we are long gone and torment our children. Yeah. If you if you don't believe that, ask anyone who comes from the rural area who is either the first or one of the few who went to varsity, how their family is troubled in the rural areas. People perceive your family to be superior and they start throwing witchcraft, they do anything because they become enemies, because your prosperity and your growth is just individualistic and it's not communal.
That is why we always encourage students, when you go back during holidays, make sure you share information for others to come to varsity. If they are if there are funding opportunities, make sure you empower others. You are not doing it for them. You are doing it for you and what you are building. People always ask me, why are you so passionate about empowering young people? No, it's because I know my kids will grow up. I want my kids to live in a livable environment. I want my children not to be victims of kids that were not raised correct. Amen. So we seek peace and prosperity of the city. We must get ready to build and fight. Because it's not going to be easy. It's war. I want us to, to skip and, and go to the close. Judges 2 verse 10. This is the nightmare that I don't want us to en- encounter. Judges 2 verse 10. When all the generation that has been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them, who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. The danger we, we, we face is what Europe is going under right now. Europe was evangelized immensely. They received the gospel and things started changing. And later on, excuse me, they relaxed. They started thinking it's their philosophies. They started putting their Western civilization and culture and think that's the gospel. If you go and check in Europe, Christianity is declining, not because the gospel is not powerful, not because the word has lost its power, because people were too comfortable with their comfortable lives. And they rose generations after them who did not know God, who were not seeking after God. Hence, Islam and other religions are prevalent and they are rising. We are not unique. The very same can happen and even be worse with us. We have had people, that, I've had people that I, I know that some of them, were, some even came to our services, some even came here, who left Christianity for something which was perceived better than Christianity because it spoke to their pain. It made them feel comfortable with their pain. So if we do nothing, a generation will rise. Let's disciple each other. Let's disciple our children. And let's make sure that we pass on the baton of truth. I love this picture of these American athletes. Being super spiritual and not balancing our spirituality with the word and, and the practicality of being placed by God on planet earth, we end up doing this. We miss the baiting. The next generation does not get anything from us and we hand over nothing because we are so obsessed with me, myself, and I. And God wants us to, to build and pass on, even if it's a small thing, pass it on. That is why I love what God is doing through our movement. I'm not saying every nation is the best, but I love what God is doing through our movement, where we see young leaders emerging, where we see people given platforms to grow, to increase. That's more at a ministry ministry level. That's what we do as a ministry, as a global family. We plant churches, we raise people, we release them. But there is more to just church planting. 
Are we doing the same in the marketplace? I'm glad of what Andre and Tim are doing here. But can we do more? In terms of professionals, education, different spheres, are we raising someone? Are we working our way out? (laughs) Are we trusting someone to become a better student after me? Are we trusting someone to do things better? Are we even sharing our stories? Are we even open enough? Even if you are only discipling five people, come on, you are doing such a great justice to the city. I'm closing with this scripture from Chronicles. Because I've I've spoken too much and I can see some of you are praying, God, can't he stop now? God has heard your cry. I am stopping. God is faithful, eh? (laughs) So David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. I know after this word, some of you feel young and inexperienced in terms of building and, 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 and getting involved in what is happening in our world. And the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent of fame and glory throughout all the lands. I will therefore make preparation for it. So David provided materials in great quantity before his death. Can you say, I am young and inexperienced? (laughs) No, even you, Malcolm, you are young and inexperienced. When it comes to nation building, building our city, we are all young and inexperienced. Most of the things that we see, they overwhelm us because we are young and inexperienced. But let's see what God is saying. He says, David, because he knew that something needs to happen, he then made preparation. How did David make preparation in our context? He made preparation that there will be something called the biblical foundations course. There will be something called the disciple makers course. There will be something called advanced leadership school. There will be something called marketplace ministry. What are all these things there for? To equip us so that when we go there, we go fully balanced and fully informed because the world is harsh. But it requires us to go. How do we go? Can I see people where the an 824 or 925 or 7 to what, what, work? People who, are, who have employment, who wake up, go to work. No, raise your hand. Don't worry. I'm not going to call you to the altar. I want to prophesy on you. you. You love prophecy. Let me tell you, you are highly favored because God has called you not to earn a salary and to tick the KPIs. Take the KPIs and start ticking the spiritual KPIs. What is my spiritual significance in this position? What is my impact beyond my job description? If your assessment is zero, I am giving you a prophetic word from the Lord, fresh from the heart of the Lord. Go ye therefore and discover your responsibility and mandate beyond your job description. You may not need to go and, and deal with people who are in the Wunga Park, in the informal settlement, in your office. Become an ambassador fully. Be faithful. 
to serve God there. I know some of you will say, but I serve God by being faithful to my superiors. Yes, that's, that's, that's number one. Or in fact, no, it's, it's, if we are scoring you into ten, you get one. That's expected. That's what you should do anyway. You can't get a reward for that. It's like me loving my wife. There is no reward for that. It's expected. One out of ten. But going beyond, that's where now you start stretching yourself. You, in, in fact, this is the part that builds your character. This is why uh, if, you, if you look into, because of time, there is a quote by O.H. Jackson Brown Jr. Uti, our character is what we do when we think no one is looking. That's what God wants you to do. Your job description, your supervisor, your superior is looking. But your character, your kingdom character of empowering people, nobody is looking. That's where God is saying, go for it. In fact, your prosperity does not depend on your KPIs. Your prosperity depends on your ability to navigate beyond your key performance indicators and your job description. And it will feel overwhelming. But David said uh, to King Saul when he was about to kill Goliath, he said, this is the Lord's battle. And he will, give you, he will give this uncircumcised Philistine to us. And he went on to say to Goliath, whether you come here with the spear, what? whether you insult us, we do not care. Whether the environment and the circumstances insult us, we do not care. We will continue going out and building because it is the battle of the Lord. And I will, I will end with my favorite quote, which God dealt with me and transformed me. I woke up to this reality that people who shine from within do not need spotlights. I want us to rise. My desire and my goal is to shine from within. Because when you shine from within, you build, you love, even when things are against you fully. I know I traumatized you. I showed you pictures. I told you all the things. Some of you are scared. Don't worry. Fear has no room in the kingdom. Fear is from the devil. So don't be partners with the devil, eh? Remember that story in that railway line. I suppressed fear even though my body was doing the heartbeat. I suppressed fear because I trusted God. God will honor you even in your stupidity. I was very stupid there. Don't do what I did. Not unless God says do it. (laughs) Don't go and fight criminals. Not unless God say go and speak to criminals. But one thing that you need to do is discover what part of what God wants to see in the city is your portion.